0: Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2 Available on the web at fm1032.com.au Over the last couple of nights in this series on Jesus' life We've been looking at the theme of Jesus as judge of the world It's a theme that is sometimes overlooked in the modern church But it's actually a huge theme in the earliest sources about Jesus The New Testament Gospels And last night we looked at a passage from Matthew's Gospel which explained via one of Jesus' most powerful parables who the judge of the world is and why this judgment is coming. This is the famous parable of the sheep and the goats. The judge, as we saw last night, is Jesus himself. Here's the introduction to the parable again, Matthew twenty-five, thirty-one. When the Son of Man, that's Jesus, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Jesus is the one who separates the sheep from the goats. He is the great judge of all the nations. Tonight, though, I want to look at what this passage says about the criterion of judgment. In other words, what is God's judgment going to find out about us? Why is it going to separate some from others? What's the basis of that judgment? Well, according to Jesus, the thing separating the right from the left, the sheep from the goats, or the blessed from the cursed, is what they did or didn't do by action or neglect for the plight of the needy of the world. Put positively, Jesus says to those on his right, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. To which the people respond, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Jesus, the judge, replies, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. But put negatively, Jesus says to those who are condemned, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. To which the people ask, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? The judge answers, Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. The parable ends with the chilling words, Then they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. The point is very simple, isn't it? How we treat the needy is considered by God how we treat their defender and judge, Jesus, the Messiah. A central basis of divine judgment is how we care for the destitute. Now, I need to make a couple of quick clarifications here because I don't want you to misinterpret what Jesus is saying. Firstly, Jesus isn't suggesting in this passage that we can save ourselves from judgment simply by doing good things for the poor. Um, Read in isolation, I guess Matthew 25 could be twisted that way. The problem is there are too many other places in Jesus' teaching where he says that escaping divine judgment is purely a gift of divine mercy. It's not a reward for good behavior. And I'm going to say more about that later in the series. Matthew chapter 25 simply teaches what plenty of other New Testament texts teach. Those who have received the gift of divine mercy will commit themselves to lives of human mercy. The logic is summarized beautifully in Jesus' words in Luke six thirty-six: Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. This connection between divine mercy And human mercy is so fundamental in Jesus' teaching that he can comfortably say that what separates the blessed from the cursed on the day of judgment is the compassion they have shown for the destitute. The life of love, in other words, reveals those who have known the love of God. People aren't saved by a life of love, but a life of love always marks out those who are saved. That's the theory anyway. Secondly, the Bible's insistence that God will condemn those who have oppressed or neglected the needy doesn't mean that the needy themselves are automatically exempt from judgment. Care for the oppressed is certainly one of the decisive factors in God's judgment, but it's not the only one. Another one is reverence for the Creator. Presumably, the poor and oppressed can fail this latter test and so find themselves under God's judgment for reasons other than that described in Matthew 25. Within the Bible's logic, just as revering the Creator while neglecting our fellow creatures leaves us guilty, so does caring for other creatures while ignoring the Creator. What Christ required of humanity was that they love their neighbour and love their maker. To put it bluntly, but no less accurately from the historical perspective, Jesus would have condemned the generous atheist with the same hellfire gusto he directed at the religious hypocrite. Well, let me bring this to close with a bit of a reflection on this theme of Jesus as judge and defender of the poor. Throughout the ages, the belief that the Messiah will give decisions for the poor of the earth, as Isaiah 11.4 says, has inspired incredible acts of charity within the church. Um, In the early 30s AD, the Jerusalem church set up a huge daily roster for destitute widows. In the 40s and 50s, the Apostle Paul conducted what was perhaps the world's first truly international aid project. He collected money from Turkey, Greece and Macedonia for the famine-ravaged believers back in Palestine. By AD 250, we know that the church in Rome was daily supporting 1,500 destitute men, women and children. The influence of the ancient church's aid programs was so great that the fourth century pagan emperor Julian wrote to his pagan priests insisting that pagan temples introduce a welfare system modeled on the Christian welfare system hostels for strangers, orphanages, and poverty relief projects. He wanted to beat the Christians at their own game. He writes this For it is disgraceful. This is what he complains to his. Uh, high priest in Galatia. It is disgraceful that the impious Christians support not only their own poor, but ours as well. All men can see that our people lack aid from us. Well, Emperor Julian died the following year, and his fear that the Christians might take over the empire through the stealth of compassion was soon realized. Now, things in the church have not always proceeded in this same way. I include this stuff about the early church not only to highlight the historical influence of the theme of Christ as judge, but also to remind fellow believers listening to me about a part of our heritage that we sometimes forget. While it's true that most non-government welfare in modern Australia is conducted by church agencies, often this work is so centralised that the average Christian can easily forget about his or her obligation toward the needy, or worse, decide to leave this to head office, as it were. This leads me to make another point. I think contemporary Christians aren't the only ones in the firing line of Christ's promise to bring justice to the needy. According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics Household Expenditure Survey, 2005, The average Australian household, that's household, not individual, spends just $231 a year on all forms of charitable giving. That works out to just $4.44 a week on all forms of charitable giving. We spend almost twice that on confectionery each week, $8.10. Even more on our pets each week. $9.18, $9.18 and nearly 10 times more than that on restaurant and takeaway meals each week $42.10 wider society no less than the church community would do well to reflect afresh and seriously on the words of Jesus our future judge who in Matthew 25 said i was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat i was thirsty you gave me nothing to drink i was a stranger You did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. May we all know the love of God and express that love toward the needy around us because that's what true faith will do. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.